Welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast from your, uh, hopefully, radio or your uh, phone or from your desktop a computer. You are listening to us. We are uh, from the distances of Maribel to Shirley to uh, anywhere in between, which is there's not much in between. Denmark is in between, isn't there? Denmark is there. Denmark is there. Kellnersville. Kellnersville. No, we, wait, Kellnersville is that's south. south. That's yeah. south. Um, we are coming to you uh, from the office here now in Shirley. So I am a visitor here of Pastor Dave Rudad, who is a co-host of Casting Nets Podcast, and we are here today to share with you some words on an alternative lifestyle. Um, and if you are wondering what that all means, I'm not going to tell you until we get into the show. So knowing that we're going to talk about alternative lifestyle and knowing that we have been on the discussion of the book of Leviticus, uh, we are going to be looking at Leviticus 11 through 16 and take it away for our disclaimer. Well, just to let you know, dear listeners, that uh, if you're saying alternative lifestyle, Pastor Harley and Pastor Rudot talking about that, that's just wrong. Know that the word wrong is spelled wrong in the dictionary. We really need a disclaimer. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the the views and opinions of Pastor Harley and myself are just that right. our, our opinion and our, our view. Uh, they are from the Bible, but some of the things we're talking about are uh, may may not be fully formulated in our own our own heads. We're just throwing stuff up against the wall. He and I both studied Leviticus eleven to sixteen, and now we're just sharing with you what we studied independently. And so it will be. It will be a discussion. So maybe our minds will be changed. So anything we say may may be different by the time the podcast is over. By the time uh, the discussion is over. So in that case dear listener if there's something that you are listening to and you are trying to figure out where what what are they talking about or if something is offensive to you please either reach out to us at castingnetspod at gmail.com or on facebook or you can talk to us in person or you can listen to another podcast on the book of leviticus or the other podcast that we have but in either case dear listener we are trying to start a conversation not end a conversation and so we encourage you to reach out to us. So coming into our conversation here about um, Leviticus chapter 11 through 16, we are introduced to what I think a lot of people struggle with when it comes to uh, uh, the book of Leviticus. I mean, we, we've dealt with uh, some of the, the, the sacramental law codes and things that were there for, for um, how you were to present and get things ready for 
for the worship service. Now we're sort of moving into this idea of lifestyle. And what we have here in the book of Leviticus is, I think, something uh, very, very beautiful in the sense that we have um, God in his holiness is bleeding out of the, the, the worship space into the lives of the nation. And, and so there's standards that are going to set them apart as people who are God's people. Um, and, and I think that's probably the best overarching thing we can say about this chapter is, and, and as we go through, I mean, we can be talking about some of the pagan things that were going on in the, in the area and how, how the practices of the people of Israel become fundamentally different because um, the Lord says, don't do those things. And now they're set apart. Some of the ideas that were going around during that time of, of certain opinions about certain types of foods or certain types of actions and how the Lord now sets them apart so that they are not relying on themselves. But I think essentially when, when you look at this, this set of, of chapters, um, you can get bogged down in the minutia and you can start looking at all the different breaks and all the different things and, and the way it's set up and, and why this and not that, um, but really come down to the idea of um, th- this holiness and this being set apart as something special is bleeding out of the out of the worship space into the homes and the lives of people, which makes it an alternative lifestyle to what was around them culturally in in the in in the world that they were living in. I, yeah, I think with when it comes to the what is clean and unclean, the one thing that always permeates and maybe sticks around in my head the longest is just the fact that they couldn't eat bacon. I mean, just just such a travesty. They couldn't eat. Bacon because or ham uh, or ham yeah I like ham you know they they when they had their Christmas celebrations they couldn't have a good ham although Christmas wasn't really there but 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 if you think about it I mean you, you talk about some of those things and and I know that's in the it's not necessarily well it is in chapter eleven um, you you talk about some of the animals they can't eat and. And I know there's some some um, thoughts that have been tossed around um, as to why God chose to do that, and and I kind of I, I I maybe it's just me personally. I I think there is there is the religious aspect to it, of course. I think there's a little bit of Genesis wrapped up into here, but I also think that there is just the reality that that if you look at the animals that God says it's okay to eat, by and large, even if you ate them somewhat raw, you're not going to get sick. You're not, it's not going to harm you. Um, but you look at like, uh, let's, let's talk about pork because we both love, we both love pork. We would be horrible Jews. Um, if you don't cook it right, if, if you don't cook it all the way through, you know, you can get really sick. Um, there, there is just some of these things that, that I think the Lord puts into here that, that they're like, you know, you, you have to be very, very careful of them. And because you're maybe not as careful because of the traditions of the world around you, these are things you should just avoid because they're going to make you unclean. There are really four theories as to why the food is clean or unclean, why God chose what to eat. So we haven't actually talked about what makes an unclean other than pork. Just with when it comes to the animals, the land animals, the four-fitted land animals, if it had a split hoof or chewed the cud, then it was okay. If not, then it was not. And fish... Uh, if the fish had scales and fins, it was okay. Otherwise, not. Um, and if would, the bird, if and when it came to birds, if they ate grain seeds, they were okay. But if they did, if they ate of carcasses, um, they were not. 
Right, and uh, it comes when it comes to insects, uh, insects that were jointed what? above the knee. Those were okay. Those were okay. So, so you can eat all of the crickets, and you can eat all of the grasshoppers with chocolate on them that you desire, um, but you can't eat spiders. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as if that's a thing, right? And there, none it, of the hey, have you not? Have you no lizards either? No lizards. <laughs> no lizards. No. No snakes. Know, yeah, you can't have lizards, snakes, uh, and if you ever watch those those shows, you know where you're out in the middle of the sticks everywhere. They're killing snakes all the time and peeling them and eating them, and and they're eating you know spiders all the time. And these are big no nos for for the people of Israel. Um, and, and I think we should talk a little bit about it. And, and well, I, I haven't think, talked about my four theories. Well, I'm talk about your four theories, and then we'll we'll let you. <laughs> it's your house. Do what you want. The four theories. One is what the thing that you were talking about is perhaps it's a health reason where. If you can imagine if you're eating uh, a, an animal such as a vulture that is eating dead things to live, perhaps the transmission of diseases could be passed on that way. Uh, when it comes to like rats and mice, you want to keep those things out of your house because those things transmit disease, even though back then they didn't know that uh, rats and mice can transmit disease. And even with the Black Plague in Europe, they didn't know that the rats transmitted diseases. So... In this way, you could say a health reason that the Israelites may not have been aware of. Perhaps that is the reason. That's number one. Another reason might be the cultish uh, association with some of these animals of of the nations around them. That uh, the Egyptians, for example, uh, uh, um, I forget which one of the animals that the Egyptians worshipped and ate as part of their worship practices. So that's reason number two. Reason number three might be symbolic. You know, think of the pig wallowing in mud. Um, might be the idea of th- some of these animals are some of the things that they do uh, are associated with sin. I-, I think that's the weakest one of the four. And then the fourth would be just any any of the animals that were considered odd. Like you have animals that aren't quite the same as all the other animals, all quite the same. One of these them. things is not like, like the, the other. other. Yeah. <laughs> but that one's also a weak one because they're all created by God. So how can God create something that is... Well, and, and I think we have to take into consideration that God, um, that the scriptures do not um, contradict themselves. And so, if we go into the New Testament and we look at um, Peter seeing the the great net, uh, net filled with all of the the animals, and the Lord says, "Everything that I created, nothing that I created is unclean." Um, and we look at that and we say, "See, God's giving us the okay to eat all of these things." Um, I, I don't. You you can't look at that and say, "Oh, God changed his mind." And I so I don't think that's the I don't think that's the idea. I think what we have here in the idea, and, and I think we can take some of those four things, we can blend them all together and put, on, put them on the mixer and say, I think there's a little bit of everything coming out of this mix. Yeah, I would agree. Because um, I, I think you have, you, have, you have a society in which these people are found um, where, where um, the religious practices of the society, especially when it came to eating and the use of these certain animals, um, where they were being misused. Um, and so you had some, you had made mention of the people of Egypt where they, they ate certain lizards um, as part of a religious practice um, a, 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 to commune with their gods. But you have other things that were done too. You had like um, the fortune tellers who would take lizards or take the entrails of certain animals and they would try to uh, discover um, what these were. You had a culture that was very animalistic in the sense of um, if you ate certain animals who were strong or viewed to be uh, predators within the within the um, 
within the the world, if you ate their heart, if you ate their liver, you would gain their strength. And I think there's some, some uh, maybe not just some, a lot of the crossover where the Lord says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you separate from those people. You're not even going to touch those animals and even get into that conversation of, of the possibility of being connected with that type of thought. And, and, and we're going to see this play out later on too when uh, we get into further chapters and some other diseases and some other lifestyle um, things that the Lord has, has going to say, no, we're separating you. So I think there's some of that in there. But I, I, I think coming back also to, to Genesis, um, and you'd made, uh, we'd both sort of started maybe talking that a little bit. Um, when God created animals, he created these divisions, wild animals, domestic animals, creepy things, slithering things. Um, and, and it's like in the very beginning, God intended, right, for certain animals to be, be animals used for domestic purpose and other animals to not be in that purview. Um, so we have this, this, in the very beginning, the Lord already creating these standards of certain animals are, are okay for you to, to eat and engage with, um, outside of, of health risks, um, that, that are present. And, and I'm not saying that again, we can come back to pork, but let's not even go to, let's just, let's just go to other animals. Like, um, go back to the fish conversation. More people die from eating shark than being eaten by shark because it takes a very special op, you know, to prepare shark, right? Otherwise you can get sick or, or things. So I, I, I think there's this, there's this level of care God is giving to his people. And he's, he's saying, you know, you need to watch out and be careful because you think you're wise, but you're not. And, and you think you know what you're doing, but you don't. And, um, I, I just, I keep coming back and playing in my mind, the difference of Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and Daniel, um, in, in Babylon and all of these people, all the rest of the, uh, the, the Jewish people that were taken as prisoners are eating all this fine food from the table of the Babylonians. And, um, he says, I can't eat that. And so they're going to, limit their diet, restrict their diet, and, and at the end, they're healthier because of it. Um, and, I'm, and I'm saying maybe some of the stuff we try to put into our bodies isn't always the best stuff to put into our bodies. <laughs> I like how you're saying how this is, demonstrates a level of care because we have to be very careful not to say, well, this is the, the, um, the, this alternate lifestyle of living in the Old Testament is the ultimate lifestyle this is the way that we should live i i think we don't want i don't think you're going that far but just demonstrating to god's people in the old testament that god is demonstrating a level of care and but most importantly he is putting a hedge around them he is saying you guys are my people and i'm going to make you different from the nations around you and this is one way and and in that hedge around god's people he's reminding them just how much they need him because of all of this uncleanliness that can happen. I mean, you, we we talked about this in Bible class, and they said, "What about mosquitoes? You know, what if you you hit a fly or or a mosquito and it lands on your on your table? That table instantly becomes unclean, and you have to take the special water of purification and wash the table. Or if it uh, hits your sheets, so you have this constant reminder that God, you need Him, uh, yeah. and that you are unclean. That the effects of sin that happened." 
in the garden have permeated your day-to-day life. But I but I also thought, I think we need to come in and say, and, and just hedge that just in a, in a section to say, being considered unclean was not considered unholy. Yeah, exactly. So, so you were still God's holy people. You were, you were just now in this, brought to the reality of if you continue down this path, you're going to be heading in the wrong direction. Um, we had that discussion when we first started Leviticus that there is the difference between um, what is common and ordinary and what is uh, what was used then as holy things. And then there's a conversation between what is considered clean and common and unclean and common. And, and because you're unclean and, and maybe common does not mean that you are unholy. It just means that that now something you have you are coming back to be fed by the Lord. You're coming back to be to be brought into His presence again, and and God again is acting on your behalf. Yeah, thank you for the correction. It's not necessarily that they were sinning, but they were heading in that direction. Yeah, right. And and I think that comes into play here when because you know chapter eleven really deals with with something that I think is is most profound, and I've I've made this connection with with the Lord's Supper as well, um, and I think it's a beautiful connection, and that is. Um, you have the clean animals, the animals that they are able to eat are animals that are also able to be used for sacrifice. Um, those are the animals God chose for the sacramental, that sacramental exchange that when they come to the Lord's table and they eat of those things from the Lord's table, the Lord is now saying they're, they are, they're good enough for me. They're good enough for your family. Um, and I thought that that was kind of a, a neat thing that that from the Lord's table it bleeds into the home, the home table, and I've used that in connection with the Lord's Supper that the forgiveness that we receive from the Lord's table, from from His hand and His body and blood and bread and wine, bleeds into the forgiveness we share around our family table because of what the Lord has given to us. Um, and I and I think you have that beautiful image in, in at least chapter eleven, right? Of of this is this is the kind of thing that the Lord accepts. This is the kind of thing that the Lord desires, um, and He gives to you in sacramental union uh, from, from in His worship. It's good enough for your home. Now that that being said, I, I think we've lost that in our society today, and and you have this difference that the Lord says He goes, "You are a holy people. You are set apart. Um, so you're not supposed to be doing the exact same thing as everyone else around you." And if you look at our society today, you look at even Christians today, we come, we worship, we go home, and we live like everybody else. We engage with everything that, that every people do. And I'm not saying all the people do it all the time, but I'm, but there's that, that tendency, right? That, that when someone looks at us, sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference between the Christian and the non, right? Um and and God is saying no as a christian you know this is the this is the divinely inspired alternative lifestyle <laughs> and it's not the way you think it's not indulging in my sinful nature but it's an engaging with the gifts that God has given in the preservation of setting us apart and Jesus talks about that too or turning the other cheek if somebody demands something from you give them more than what they ask for all of these things that indicate to God to the people around you that God's way is different. That there is a there's something different about you, dear Christian, and it, and it's not the way that you dress, and it's not the food that you eat. It's how you conduct yourself that sets you apart, and uh, and it serves as a witness to those around you. So I'm going to just give a, a life example here um, for my own life. Um, I I my my wife has had a friend. They don't talk as much as they used to anymore. 
uh, who married a gentleman who was from a different um, church body organization, we'll say. And and in their church body organization, they downplayed uh, very highly the drinking of any alcohol as being horribly bad. You couldn't touch it. You couldn't be around it. And, and we would go out to eat with them, and I would purposely have a beer uh, while I sat with them. And I know all of you listening now are like, oh, pastor, why would you do that? Because I was Actually, showing, if people knew you, they would be like, "Yeah, that's just exactly one? what Pastor. <laughs> that's exactly what he would do." Um, but but I, I would purposely have a beer, and and it would always spur this conversation of, "How can you do that as a Christian? How could you be drinking?" And and I said, "Because in the freedom of the gospel, I can do this." Now, what sets me apart is not that I had a beer. What sets me apart is I didn't have to have two or three or four. Um, it wasn't the fact that I engaged in this and it wasn't in fact that I, that I was, I, I wasn't going to that extreme. See, that's the, that's this part where, where as Christians in the society in which we live, you know, if, if God does not mandate against it and someone does, we in Christian freedom stand up and say, um, no, I'm going to push against that. On the opposite side, just because the society says you can go and let loose and put your hair down and engage in a, in this and heavily engage in this, as Christians, we would say, no, we're going to temper that and we're going to we're going to step back from that, right? And we're going to we're going to not engage so fully because there's a difference between what we're supposed to be, and and I think that especially in these these eating codes. You have this going on where, where the Lord um, is forcing them to look at the societies around them, forcing them to look at, at what's going on. And he's saying, there's, there's, this is a way that people are going to see you are different. And you're, you're, not, you're, you're resting on me um, and you're, you're relying on me instead of relying on, on everyone else to tell you what is good or bad. Um, and he says, I'm telling you what, what is good and, and I'm giving it to you. That's my thought on, on 11. That's on 11, yeah. Speaking of uh, alternative lifestyle, giving birth in the Old Testament. So is the alternative was, lifestyle the fact that they are giving, giving birth, birth <laughs> as opposed well, to the majority the of people of, today <laughs> not giving birth? I'm trying to make, to make a connection, and it's, and it's, <laughs> it's not quite getting there. So anyway. <laughs> they didn't give birth like we give birth. No, I, <laughs> I'm trying to make the connection. I'm just trying to follow the theme of the podcast for today, and I'm, I struggle. That's uh, no, that, there's nothing to honest. struggle about, other than the fact that and and What's I just alternative heard, about giving birth is my question. That's why I, I brought it up. Well, it is alternative what's giving birth because if you think about it, and and this is the this is amazing discussion because many many of the cultures in which they were found the the um, sexual practices were deemed as power plays. Um, and birth of children were deemed as services to gods where, where if like, um, and we see this later on in the, in, in some of the practices of, uh, Baal worship and Ashtra worship in, in, in the Jewish communities as it infested from the Canaanite communities where, where if you, they, they were called sympathetic religion, where if you would go and you would see the, the priests and the priestesses of those two gods the idea was you slept with them and that would produce if, if that union produced a child, um, then the gods in heaven responded and you would have better crops. And so this, this whole idea of, 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 
of looking at birth and looking at the blessing of birth and yet also the the reality of what it brings is a very important a very important thing even today that the Jewish community um, tracks the the menstrual cycles of their women they track the the fertility of their women very very closely because they 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 value what this is so highly because of what the Lord has placed on it. Okay, I see that. I um, one of the um, one of the sources I was looking at to looking at chapter twelve just talked about why were they in seclusion for so long after they gave birth, and one of the theories was was to um, to celebrate the fact that she had a child and and give her that time to bond with that child. Yes, but, it's different for men and women because the men, uh, the guy, the little boys were circumcised after seven days, so she was only unclean for seven days rather than fourteen days. But still, that whole idea of seclusion, not being out in public so that she would enjoy this wonderful gift that God had given her rather than this being a means to an end, like you said, a power play or as a as a demonstration of God's favor. Well, they also— and, On your and, crops, which has right. nothing to do with your the child that's being born. And, and, and I'm not exactly sure as to the validity of this or not, but they were saying that—I uh, was reading a commentary that had made mention that— that it also could have been, um, again, because of the blood aspect of, of this, um, in the society and in, in the culture around them, um, post-birth blood was considered to carry life force and, and considered to carry connections to um, the, the world beyond and, and life beyond. And so uh, the Lord secludes them from a society so that so that there's no doubt that you know you can't indulge in this kind of behavior you can't indulge in 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 this type of of uh witchcraftery um they also were saying that that the lengths of time were different because um for a woman depending on if you have a a, a male baby or a female baby and again I'm not a scientist uh, or, or or a doctor in any way but they were saying in the in the commentary I was reading that it is uh, hormonally different, and and the hormones within the, in the mother are adjusted uh, depending on what sex of the baby is, and that it, it it exits the system faster for for the testosterone of having a male exit your system faster for a woman than if you had a female and you have estrogen that was built up and 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 was in your system, and that the the results physically lasted longer having a daughter than it did having a, a son. I don't know if that's true or not, but but realize that notice for both, they have eight days and they're back in, in worship. Fourteen days for the for the girls. Fourteen yep. days for the girls. But it's but it's it's not as if they're secluded right. from worship. It's they're secluded from the other people. And mm-hmm. and so they and I like that idea that you had said they get to focus on being a parent. And the gift that God has given to them, um, and I think of Hannah, right? <laughs> um, she took seven years, <laughs> and she says, "Let me do this." Um, and she was just so overjoyed with the gift of of having a child, um, and, and I think that's that's what makes it an alternative to what we have today. Because because um, I I've been listening to the news and podcasts, and 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 so many parents are. Uh, there was just a, a podcast that I was listening to that on the news. Um, they were saying that there was one parent who has gone on to 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 be a viral whatever through YouTube or Facebook, Twitter, whatever, 
and face Twitter, I face like it. Twitter. Um, but she had said how she hates being a parent and that their ch- her children have just destroyed her life. And, and this, and, and, and what we see here in this, it seems like it's a law and do this, do this, but what it is, it's a time for the parents to, to love being parent. And, and that is an alternative to what we have in society, you know, where, where we have people who don't, who are so self-absorbed. They're just so, uh, that is, that is what the norm is today. The vast majority of people are so self-absorbed that, that children are just to stroke their ego. Um, and then when they have, have lived out their usefulness, we want to write them off. Um, and yet the Lord says, no, you can't. Um, and, and there are going to be rules and regulations that are going to, going to build this connection between you and your child. I like the way you were thinking. All right. Um, also, this isn't just uh, picking on the women and their menstrual cycles and giving birth. In Chapter 15, you also have the male aspect of it, too. So all the discharges that come out of the male, whether it be something from gonorrhea or whether it be nocturnal emissions from the guy would make them unclean. So it's just, it's back, both of them. Anything coming out of them is... Un, makes them unclean and they need to be clean because of it. Yeah, and 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 I know we're we're skipping ahead, but and we'll come back and do do the skin diseases. But but when you talk about um, chapter fifteen, um, really what you're dealing with there is is not just the, the the nocturnal things, the things that maybe you don't have any control over because those are your subconscious sinful nature acting. Um, but you also have the the regulations of uh, against. Um, the misuse of the gift of sex that God has given to a married couple um, and saying that, that when you misuse sex and you misuse that union um, and you abuse that, that you are on those, you're on the way of, of leading yourself further and further and further from uh, the Lord and his table. Um, and, and, and again, it comes back down to lifestyle, right? Um, and, and the, the, the scriptures are heavily, they heavily comment on sexual practice in the scriptures because it is a it is a huge part of life, and it's the and I think it's one of the vices that more and more people fall into than almost anything else um, is the vices of the of sexual appetites. Yep, I would agree. Um, one of the neat things that I liked about chapter fifteen is Mark chapter five when the woman who had the problem with bleeding comes up to Jesus in the middle of the crowd. And it just, chapter 15 reminded me just what she was doing. She was potentially infecting an entire crowd of people, making them all unclean. She didn't want to bring it up before Jesus because if she brought it up, then then people around her would say, well, why are you out in the midst of us if you are unclean? Now you've made all of us unclean, where she did all of this subversive, like if I just touch his cloak, I will be clean. And how Jesus, and, and I think, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you reminded me of this earlier, is the fact that Jesus himself then became unclean. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus touches the lepers and makes them clean. So he himself becomes unclean, needs to be clean. So being unclean isn't the same as sinning, but just this whole idea of what she was going to bring to that, that, uh, that crowd and her desire to just be in his presence, just to hold on to him just for a little bit and with that faith that she had. 
and and then Jesus, of course, responding and saying, um, you know, who touched me, and and bringing bringing this all out into the open so that he could um, accentuate her faith and how awesome her faith was that she was believing in Jesus, looking to Jesus, and that's just the struggle that she had of. I've got nowhere to go except for to Jesus, and I'm going to do all these things that uh, people aren't going to like me for, but I'm going to hold on to Jesus. He's the only way that I can be uh, rescued from this situation. Well, and I and I think, you know, bringing Jesus into this is is really the focus and point of all of it, and, and the reality is is just as God pronounces clean, right? God is the one who, who ultimately makes us clean and holy in his presence. Um, you see Jesus do that instantly. Uh, where whereas in the Levitical laws he's given a lot of this over to to the uh, the priests they can only do so much and they're really not doing anything to fix the problem they're recognizing has the problem been fixed by God or not and you have that in the in 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 the New Testament uh, like with the healing of the lepers maybe this is going back to to chapter thirteen in Leviticus but you have the healing of the lepers right and what did the what did Jesus do Jesus after he heals them sends them to go and show themselves that they are healed the priests don't do anything it's not as if the priests have the magic touch and they heal anybody but they are they are the ones that the Lord has given the the um the 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 command to or the response let's just say responsibility not command they have given the re, the responsibility to them to pronounce for the community this problem has been taken care of and and i i i think there is such a beautiful connection between that and what the job of the pastor is today the pastor's job is is not to be the one who says because i forgave you you're forgiven no Christ does the forgiveness. Christ does the, the the changing of the heart. the The Spirit is the one that works faith. What is but what is the responsibility of a pastor? Right, I can assure you of that. And and when I'm sitting in a council and I've had and someone says, "Well, so and so was having a problem," and they came to visit with me privately, and I can say to them, "They're forgiven." This this conversation has been had. The Lord has done what He has promised to do, and and they're forgiven. I I can I can to the rest of the people, it is our responsibility to say we can pronounce what God has done, and it's awesome. That, I mean, I I find that to be just an amazing thing that the the Lord takes sinful people and says you can work with me in pronouncing what I have done. Did it change anything? Did the Lord still heal her? Yep. Is is she now uh, left with without that problem? Yep. Um, but then the Lord gives to his people the opportunity to pronounce it and, and to, to then engage and live with it, right? And that is, that is a neat, a neat result. And, and I think he does this in Leviticus too. He gives the priests the opportunity to pronounce this so that people are, are, are gaining the benefit. Let's go into leprosy. And did you know that uh, Kevin Bacon has leprosy? The doctor said he has a foot loose. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I have other leprosy jokes, but they all fall apart at the end. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, then. Chapter, chapter 13. Welcome to chapter 13. 13. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh-huh. I'm the sarcastic one, and he's the one that thinks he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trait we both share. <laughs> that we think we're funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So uh, leprosy could be more than just Hansen's disease. Could be things caused by a fungal infection, um, like uh, flavus, or also called favid. Uh, it could be a um, pigmentation problem with your autoimmune system, such as vitiligo, um, or it could be uh, something that my dad had, which was, uh, I can't even say it, pos- 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 I can't say it, P-S-O-R-I-A-S-I-S. It's a skin uh, skin infection that you have. It's it your skin turns red, and then sometimes there's like the little white spots on, oh, on the top. Oh, sure, of it. sure, sure. So, my dad had that. I don't. I have that on on my elbows, but uh, anyway. So leprosy, leprosy, whatever kind of skin disease isn't. This chapter isn't just about leprosy itself, but just skin ailments that can make somebody unclean. Well, and I think, and I think um, leprosy becomes almost the catch-all for the majority of skin diseases. We would say that, that leprosy in itself, the disease of leprosy is a bacterial um, issue that, that eats the flesh away. Um, And it usually goes on the, on the appendages that are, are extremities that are small, your fingers, your ears, your, your nose, that kind of stuff, your toes Um, eventually might get your foot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it might get loose. It might get loose. Um, and and it's, and, and leprosy, that type of leprosy, the bacterial side is still here today. There are, there are places where it is and they can, if they catch it early enough, they can, they can beat it. Um, but I mean, they, they used to have colonies set up where people would have these afflictions. Um, but I, I think that we should take a step back and just realize that in, in Leviticus, what we're dealing with is our, our skin diseases that are not like normal acne. These are skin diseases that are um, that are changing the barrier, the guard, the the protection that God has given to us naturally on our skin. And um, one of the things that I that I think is interesting about it is is how often the skin disease becomes the reflection of what sin does to us in general. And, and I think there's this, this highlight of not only on how infectious they can be and spreading to other people, but also just the idea of there is this visible, there's this visible reaction when you see somebody with a skin disease and say, wow, they don't look good. And, and I think you have here this visible representation of, wow, none of us really look good. <laughs> I mean, we are sinners. Um, and, and when you get into the New Testament, you see a lot of that, that the, the treatment of lepers is really treated as they are such horrible sinners because it's, it's bleeding out of them. Um, they were the zombies. They were, yeah, yeah. When really the Lord is like, no, that's all of you. Um, and and it, this is just a disease that, that says you're in a sinful world. Um, again, though, I, I think this is the Lord saying <clears throat> from, his, from his sanctuary as he goes out, um, his his holiness his holiness as it goes out into the community um, impacts lifestyle, and 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 his care is for them. He's not saying ignore them. He's not saying throw them away. He's not. You know what I'm saying? He is saying you you need to take care because this could spread. This this is not good for the community. Um, but we don't throw away the person. 
which I think ended up happening more often than not, that the community threw away the person and, and was a direct affront to what God's intention is, um, where that the person would be healed and then brought back into the community. And it was a long process to be brought back in, which I think highlights my opinion, my highlights just the the care that God has put into God's people. Don't rush to bring this back in because this could spread to the rest of the community and infect the entire community, but also uh, the idea, the hope that they could come back. Um, and there would be various sacrifices that were done uh, to demonstrate that they are now clean and, and to announce to everybody else, hey, these people can come back into the community. The high, the priest would say something that to that effect to make sure that God's people could welcome this individual back in because, Frank, you know, people are going to be like uh, people have been in, with the pandemic. Oh, you're not wearing a mask. <gasps> you know, stay away from me. You know, that kind of well, thing where you're, you're cured of leprosy. <gasps> Stay away from me, you know, just that kind of thing. And and I guess I'm going to ask you this, and, and, and I don't know, but I was just thinking as you're talking about that, you know, um, and you brought up the pandemic and how many people have stopped coming to worship. And you think about these, these skin diseases and the length of time that these skin diseases hung around. Do you, and I just was thinking about this, you know, you, you said, well, it's a long process for them to come back. Was it really a long process for them to come back or was this uh was this um, um, the Lord is is reestablishing that that sacramental connection? Um, they had been away from the the gifts of the altar so long that now God goes through all of these steps to reconnect them to His His grace, and and so you have the sin offerings, you have the pure. They haven't been able to participate in them, so now we're going to go through and we're going to do all of this. It was a long process because it was more than a week. Because they had to be outside of the camp, and then they had to shave, and then they had, they had to wash, and then they had to spend time out of the, outside of the camp, and then they come back and they shave and wash again. So it's all right. It's a longer process that the, throughout the whole thing, the priest has to make sure that the skin disease is actually gone. Um, other sacrifices and things of that nature were done before that individual is welcomed back into the community. Right, but but I'm what I'm saying is that you know is it really that? Now I'm not saying we're dealing with skin disease, but in the spiritual realm, is it that odd for for that to happen in the sense of let's say we have a member who has has allowed their their normal regular worship attendance to lax extremely and when they when they start coming back, it, you know, I've known pastors, myself included, to say, I, I really highly recommend we maybe sit down and just refresh ourselves on the promises of the Lord. You know, not maybe saying go through a BIC class <laughs> again, but but maybe refresh ourselves. Can I meet with you so that so we understand the gifts that what we are receiving and we understand the importance of why we're doing this? Um, because you've been away from it for so long that this is a joyful thing that we can we can remind ourselves. Um, is is some of that kind of in there? Maybe uh, I mean, if you if you have these people who have been out for for weeks or or even years because of a skin disease. Um, and then they come back. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's a reestablishing of these promises. You of course are free to do what you would like as pastor of your congregation and the people that you have. But, uh, as, as a pastor myself, if I see somebody that hasn't been in worship in a long time because of the pandemic, uh, I'd be more inclined to just encourage and say, it's great to have you. I'm glad you're back. Um, I've had members who I haven't seen in a long time 
And one of the steps that they take to come back to worship is to worship in their cars. So they're sitting out there worshiping in their cars, some of them even uh, wearing the mask in their cars, which some might say, well, that's pretty silly to do that because it's just you inside the car. But for me, I don't mention anything about that. I'm just saying, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to worship God. I'm glad uh, that you're here to and let the gospel do the rest. And then eventually those those folks are coming back inside as well. Some of them just like being outside, and some of them have actually taken it to be their calling to be out there so that they can encourage the other people that are coming in their car to come back to worship. Well, and I and I'm not denying I'm not denying that that I'm not I'm not saying I'm not glad to see someone come back. I, I truly truly am. Um well, I guess I'm just I'm painting the picture that that you know when we remove ourselves from the word of the Lord um for an extended period of time, um there there is a lot that we we move away from our understanding of who he is and what he has done. And and however that happens, either through constant worship and you're coming back and you're reminded through word and sacrament over and over and over again, or or whether it is, you know, Pastor, I would really enjoy having a sit down with you and, and being reminded of those things. Um you, you know, it's not unusual to, to, to have these things given. And and I think you have some of that built into this with these people who have skin diseases. You you have the thoroughness of making sure that we're not introducing something into the community, but we're having the uh, a, we're having a Lord who who is showing meticulous care for that individual. And and I I think you can't circumvent that because otherwise Leviticus becomes a book of laws instead of a, a book of gospel of God preserving his people throughout the sinful world. And and I, I I really, you know, every time when I've approached the book of Leviticus when I was younger and I've heard about it when I was younger, it's always, that's a book of laws. Law this, law that, law this. And it's like, yes, you can so easily get lost in thinking that this is God telling us to do certain things and then he will react. But that that's not what it is. Um, we have God who says, you are holy. You are, you are my people. I have already claimed you and, and I am going to do everything to keep this relationship and to reestablish these relationships and to preserve you throughout these relationships. And, and when you fall because sin is in the world, not necessarily because you are a sinner, but because sin is in the world, when you fall, I'm going to reestablish this relationship with you because that is my promise. I will be your God and you will be my people. Um, and and I, I, I just, it's really easy to start getting into the habit of saying, well, they have to follow these rules. Well, why are they following them? They're following them because God is reestablishing his, his promise for them, Right. And and God is taking these mundane, ordinary things and doing extraordinary things through them. Baptism, communion, the preaching of the word, um, the sinner who gets to preach it, <laughs> um, or the friend who 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 brings Jesus before their ears. Um, God's using you to reestablish those those lines of communication in that relationship. That's my my my. That's all I wanted to say. I'm not saying that that you're wrong in any of of what you're saying or or how to approach it. I'm just you look at the beauty and the care he's he's taking. I think it's a good way to wrap up the show for today. I think we'll look at the Day of Atonement in a show in and of itself. That's really at the highlight of the book of of uh, the Torah, the five books of the Bible of, of Moses. 
And as we say, this is an alternative lifestyle that God put on God's people, not because he wants to burden them with something, but that he wants to show extreme care for them and uh, to preserve the line of the Savior until the Savior is born and for us to understand just how much we need our God in our everyday life. Mm -hmm. 